The following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect those of BMC or the town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at access at belmontmedia.org. All right. Well, I don't know what quite happened to our theme song there, but uh, came down a little lower than uh, usual. But uh, we are back uh, once again. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the TOST Toddcast here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network. I'm Todd Bloniar's longtime producer and host of the Time Out for Sports Talk TV show that you can still find here on BMC channels 8, 9, 28, and 29, and also on demand at belmontmedia.org. Of course, that is the longtime TV show, which is currently on a bit of a summer break, is uh, is our want. But uh, we've got these uh, pod, audio podcasts going uh, during the summer months and uh, other scattered times throughout the year. And if you want to access any of these uh, TOST podcasts online, you can do so at belmontmedia.org slash podcast. Also at soundcloud.com by searching Belmont Media. And, of course, uh, yeah, SoundCloud is, uh, is a great app i'm sure most of you probably know about it already you use it for music and other uh, downloads uh it is of course a free app if you don't have it already it's available free of charge on both itunes and google play stores and uh once you have it you can again search belmont media bring up all the playlists of the various shows and uh that will uh, bring you to this show uh, among others here and it's of course one of the things i said when i first started uh, doing these uh the, doing the todd casts was it's a great way to reconnect with old friends uh, again you know we've been doing the tv show for for over 20 years i still find that amazing hard to believe but uh uh we have and in the process uh, we've had a lot of guests on over the years in fact uh, this guest uh, even though uh, he hasn't actually been on a timeout show for about 10 years or so, according to at least uh, some of the unofficial records I keep, uh, he still is tied for fourth all-time in appearances by guest with uh, 23. So I guess tonight will be officially number 24, but I'm very glad to bring him back after a long absence. Uh, I guess we'll just blame the absence to uh, to a very uh, successful career as well as a successful family. And uh, that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of kept him from making the long trek to Belmont. But we're happy to get him here on the phone line tonight. And that would be one Mark Goodale. Mark, uh, welcome. Welcome back to Time Out after a, a very uh, long absence. It's good to hear from you. Just what the doctor ordered after 10 long years away, uh, you know, certainly, uh, yeah, you, you, can, you can put it all to one word, really, kids. Uh, and uh, for any of you out there listening who have kids, you know exactly what I mean. So, uh, but, but great to be back, Todd. Yeah, how, how old are they now, by the way? We just, uh... They are uh, 11 and uh, uh, just about 9, so a girl and a boy, and uh, we got one of each, and, and uh, that's all we need. Uh, it's good enough for us. Well, it's also a particularly fun time. I guess we could tie that into sports a little bit. I imagine they uh, do. They both uh, participate in a lot of youth sports. Are you doing any uh, coaching in your spare time? Or absolutely, they're into. Uh, uh, my son is a baseball player, a hockey player, and a and a karate guy. Um, uh, is is a a state champion for uh, karate in a couple of different events. My daughter is uh, softball and, and uh, cheerleading and, and also karate, and uh, so 
so we're busy. We're we're driving them all around every every night it seems, and uh, so we've hit a little lull here in the in the beginning of the summer, and uh, it uh, I tell you it's glorious. But yeah, did a little coaching uh, on the softball and baseball teams, um, and it's great. You know, I remember when my son started at about three or four, about three and a half, four or so uh, at T-ball, uh, and T-ball is just outstanding. It, it's it's uh, something different happens every night in t-ball that you can't expect or you could never predict um if anybody out there listening has kids in t-ball or had kids in t-ball they know this as soon as the ball is hit off the tee a ground ball is treated pretty much like a fumble and kids come in from every position and just pig pile on the ball uh, and there's no thought about throwing it to first it's just who can come up with it uh very entertaining um they uh they will, kids will, will hit, and then uh, I remember a, a little boy hit a ball, went to first base, first game, saw everybody trying to field the ball, so as he was on first and, and ready to run to second, the next boy hit, and he ran in and tried to field the ball with the defenders, uh, outstanding, and then the next boy up hit the ball, and he tried to field his own ball, uh, so it's, uh, but they get, they get good real fast. Uh, and it's it's uh, it's an awful lot of fun watching the kids grow and play and and having a blast out there. All right. Well, one last quick question with regards to that, Mark. Uh, you know, because I, I have a lot of friends who have sons who who play youth baseball, and I've I've seen some of their games. Actually, my godson also uh, started in T-ball, and he's still playing uh, little league ball today, or uh, actually AAA. I guess that's just a little under little league, but uh, he's he's working his way up to little league age. That that is. But you mentioned uh, your son also plays hockey. Now, I, I, none of my friends have uh, sons who play hockey, so that's a little different. What's that experience like? Is that a lot of like early mornings uh, to to, like try to get over and practice because that seems to be like the only time the rinks are available. The experience is cold. Uh, it's a cold experience. It's a long experience, but it's fun. I used to play hockey myself and uh, growing up, and it's a great experience. The the, the coaches are great. Uh, we play over in uh, uh, Franklin at the Franklin rink, and uh, you know he you know he got started late, really. I mean and. For the rest of the country, it's ridiculously early, but I think he was about five or six when he got started, and that's about two or three years later than a lot of the kids start around here. But uh, he loves it. We have fun playing. Uh, he, he brings it to the driveway. We play a little street hockey, work on the stick handling and shooting, and he takes it out on the ice. And um, it's, it's a great sport. It's, uh, um, the kids love it. It's, it's, I think the greatest time I ever had in my life was, was when I was about his age, maybe a year or two older. Uh, but right around that time, playing uh, youth hockey uh, on a Saturday uh, with with a bunch of other little kids, it was just uh, it was the best time I ever had. Yeah, you're right about the late starting age there, because I think like in Canada, for example, I believe you know before the the kids learn how to walk, they're usually put in skates and and sent out on the ice. Pretty much, yeah. It's like from the incubator to the ice rink. It's it's uh, there. There is no time wasted there. Well, you know, that might be the only actual hockey talk we're going to uh, get to here on the show because uh, I certainly wanted to talk about the Boston sports teams. Now, again, for those of you kind of new to the to the timeout experience who don't remember Mark, uh, who didn't who weren't watching the show a, a decade ago, uh, one of the things, uh, Mark, that you always brought to to our shows, I always enjoyed having you, but you always brought that kind of uh, a bit of a dissenting opinion. I mean, you, uh, you kind of would look at things more, I guess, pragmatically. I don't want to just come out and say negative because you weren't always, well, I guess you were at times or you would, uh, you know, uh, think the worst. Actually, if any 
anything, Mark, you kind of helped uh, groom me for like listening to you know certain afternoon uh, sports radio shows around here that uh, do nothing but complain about about every team, no matter how good they are. So uh, uh, I have to ask you this, Mark, because uh, you know I know you and I uh, again, kind of uh, just divulging all uh, our secrets here on, on the Toddcast. You and I used to have season tickets to the New England Patriots many moons ago, actually, kind of pre uh, the whole Tom Brady uh, phenomenon. But you know, certainly, you know, you were a part of the show during the the early Brady years on the Super Bowl run. We got to talk about those championships, but I really haven't had a chance to talk to you about the the more recent Patriot little mini dynasty, two Super Bowls in three years. And uh, I mean, did you ever think that there was going to be another run uh, with Tom Brady being in his late 30s and just this team in general, maybe especially after the, you know, the heartbreak of uh, 2007 and what might have been? I mean, did you ever did you think that this was possible that, you know, after three Super Bowls, the Patriots could actually win some more Lombardi trophies? I still am still I am still trying to reconcile what happened in 2001. <laughs> so you know the rest of it seems like a like a, a blur, a dream. So so a couple of things. One, um, I as you know believe in the power of negative thinking. It has brought us many championships here uh, in the New England area, and I intend to keep on that train until it uh, grinds to a halt. Yeah, you've had a hell of a decade when it comes to negative thinking here, Mark. <laughs> or 15 or so years, I should say. They just jinx the whole thing. So you have to keep some good negative energy going, uh, or, you know, it just it doesn't work out for you. But uh, I remember, Todd, you, you, I don't know if you saved tapes of the show. I, I, in 2001, after they won the Super Bowl, and, and we were talking, we were on the show, I, I distinctly remember saying, um, you know, I, was, I, I didn't care about 2002, and they ended up not making the playoffs. I think they were 9-7 uh, or something. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. One of the few years the Patriots haven't made the playoffs in the Brady-Belichick era, but go on. Those stand out. <laughs> um, but uh, you can remember those because there were so few of them. But I remember saying, you know what, I, I, 2002 is a pass. They won, 2000, they won, the, they won the Super Bowl. I, I really don't care what happens for, for three to five years. And, I, and then I remember saying, after Brady, Brady won the Super Bowl, I, I, and, and he was the MVP, I think, uh, in 2001. Of the uh, yes, he was, yeah. Of course, let him on that last drive when when uh, uh, Pat Summerall and John Madden uh, were suggesting that the, uh, particularly John Madden was saying, uh, you know, they should take a knee and go for overtime. By the way, uh, Pat Summerall made at least about seven mistakes during that broadcast uh, that I went back and listened to as they were replaying them earlier this year. It was it was time to go. I think he, he faded into the sunset just in time. I always liked him, but it was time. Well, a little piece of trivia with those two who were, were legendary broadcasters. We grew up, you know, watching many of their games. That was the last game that Summerall and Madden worked together was that Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, that was, so. that, was their, that was the swan song for, for Summerall. I don't think he did any games after that. But I floated the question to the group, is Tom Brady right now the greatest Patriot of all time? And... And you should you should find that tape if you can because I I put I put it to the, now I got laughed off the stage, <laughs> including from me. Was I laughing you off the stage too? Uh, there is a... Yes, I got laughed yeah. off the stage. But you know it was hey, what about John Hanna? What about and now not only might he be the you know he's certainly the greatest Patriot of all time, but certainly now is is uh, being talked about as the greatest football player of all time. And if he wins another championship or two. Um, you know, who knows if it transcends sports. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you go back to 2014 when the Patriots won, uh, when they beat the uh, uh, Seahawks. 
I was still very emotionally fragile after that game. I was in no condition to deal with what happened um, this past February with that with that comeback and overtime win. That was way too much uh, for me to handle, um, but it was it was fantastic. But way too many, as as uh, Gil Santos would say, pulse pounding finishes. Um, I need a good blowout, like fifty two to six, with about eight minutes left. Then I can start feeling comfortable. I don't think anybody's going to feel comfortable with a lead anymore after what happened in that Super Bowl. I mean, you realize, you know, going back to to the you know Super Bowl Fifty One, and and I do love reliving it. Actually, I had it on my DVR, and I was uh, uh, just a, about a week or so ago. I, I went back and watched a little of it again just to remember how how great it really was. But you know, it's amazing. The largest comeback in the very in the first fifty Super Bowls that were played, fifty years of of games of Super Bowls, the largest comeback ever made by a winning team, ten points, ten. And the Patriots were one of those teams, and they had done it two years earlier against the Seahawks. And that was amazing, the way, you know, down 10 points in the fourth quarter coming back. That was unheard of in the history of of this, you know, probably the biggest game in American sports. But, uh, you know, they managed to do that. And then, you know, so down 28-3. Okay, come on, Mark. Be realistic, though. Were you almost, knowing you and your negativity, were you almost ready to, like, turn off the TV or just, you know, or at least, like, leave the room after, you know, Brady threw that, you know, pick six? And, I did the know. same thing that I did when when they beat Baltimore in 2014. I stormed out of my parents' house at halftime, uh, drove home, listened to it, watched it on a tiny TV in my bedroom. I was not fit to be around other people at that point, so I, I needed to cordon myself off, uh, and and it worked. It worked once again. Um, the power of negative thinking uh, it, it it rises to the occasion now. The the amazing thing, well, there were so many amazing things about uh, about that game, um, and and you know I've I've I watch it I've watched it multiple times. My my eighty soon to be eighty one year old mother uh, has even watches it multiple times. She's not even really a football fan, but it's so astonishing uh, what happened. Now I remember I re- distinctly remember driving to my parents' house. And I'm thinking, well, you know, the Patriots could win this thing, but it's, you know, it's going to be sort of anticlimactic compared to 2014. How do you top that? An interception at the goal line with barely any time left. You know, you're not going to get that massive celebration that, that you know, uh, that that one play that sends everybody out onto the field. And, um, you know, not only did they top it, they something that I didn't think could be topped, but they topped it by a lot. It was astonishing to me the end, and and uh, you know how many Super Bowls the Patriots have been in, and how they've they've won such close some of the greatest games ever played. And I can think back to that '86 year uh, when they played the Bears and got smoked, um, and thinking I couldn't believe they actually made the the I couldn't believe they got to a Super Bowl in 1986. I just it was beyond comprehension to me because it was. You know, it's almost like a team in your backyard. You know, it's like a they play at a lousy uh, stadium. They're they're sort of almost like a semi-pro team. It's like, ooh, they're playing the Cowboys. I didn't even think they were allowed to play the Cowboys. You know, it was back then. It was just you were just happy to be part of the NFL and to think that they got to a Super Bowl and then so many Super Bowls later, and now they're they're they could be the greatest team of all time when they were you know a laughing stock for many years. It I 
I don't think I'll ever be able to, to get my head around. Yeah, I know they had, they they were they had semi pro ownership back in 1986 too, along with a racetrack that was just like hemorrhaging money uh, left and right. Yeah, I know you look at that that area now. You know the new stadium, the the giant you know the mall at Patriot Place, and everything that's you know the Robert Kraft has done. I mean he 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 saved that franchise and he's created just a. You know, as you say, he's created a dynasty, created every everything. You know, you mentioned earlier about a laugh, you know, laugh off the the show moment. I I, I don't know if I would compare uh, the show that we did right after the Patriots won Super Bowl Fifty One. Uh, you know, one of the things I said, and at least this was my own take. I'll see if you agree with this. The way they came back and won that game, and and just setting all sorts of records, and just you know, a win for the ages, as you want to maybe put it. To me, that erased an awful lot of the sting that I was feeling after Super Bowl uh, 42 uh, in Arizona, you know, going for the, the 19-0. and Because I remember watching that game and feeling there was no way in the world they were ever going to lose. I never anticipated they were going to lose. And after that game ended, I felt like I'd been punched in the in the sensitive area that you don't like to get punched in if you're a guy. And, uh, you know, but I really did. And I think winning, winning super, you know, winning two of the last three, but and winning in the dramatic fashion, like you said, Mark, I mean, to me, I think winning those two Super Bowls almost really kind of helped uh, cancel out. I, I kind of got laughed off. I mean, Howie and uh, I think we had Chris Price on the phone uh, that night, and uh, we they all kind of disagreed with me on that. But uh, what's uh, what, what's your take on that? Well, I think I think to a large degree it did sort of rinse out the bad taste. But I'll tell you this: I don't think they're you know clearly they're not done. And here's here's my hot take for the evening. This is what I haven't. Now, maybe somebody said that. You didn't, you didn't, wait a minute, Mark. This is kind of a hot take free zone here on the Toddcast. We don't, uh, that, that's why we're not, on, like, we're not heard by like, you know, hundreds and thousands of people all across your radio dial. <laughs> well, here's, here's, here's my hot take, my, the first, the uh, first for your show then. Uh, okay. So, so I, I haven't heard anybody talking about, everybody's trying to figure out what, what Garoppolo is, is still doing here. And here's, I, I think it's a calculated risk, and here's, here's what I think. Now, you, you, you look at who the Patriots have loaded up with. I mean, it's scary enough. They came back. They won that game. If, 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 uh, if they don't fumble that ball uh, uh, you know, early on, that it, I don't think it gets out of control like that. I think that would have been a pretty tight game. But that fumble just seemed to really turn things around. So, and they still come back and win. Now, considering they were still able to do that, Look at what they've done in the off season. I, I can't remember. I mean, maybe with Moss and and you know that year that they had some great off season uh, uh, off season uh, signings. But I mean, you look at Gillisley. You look at um, the, uh, the the running back situation. They got the guy from San Diego. Uh, well, Burke uh, Rex Burkhead. Uh, actually, I think he was from Cincinnati. Is that the guy you're thinking I, of? Or Gilmore? They kept Butler. You got Cooks. You got Coney Ely. I mean, it's it just go and then as soon as David Harris came free, literally within a second of me reading that the Jets released him, I thought the Patriots are going to pick this guy up, and sure enough, within a week or so, two weeks, here he is. I mean, it, and that was the weak link. You know, what are they going to do at linebacker? They get Hightower and really, and now, you know, they fill that gap with a with a, a veteran, a, an outstanding veteran. I mean, there, there is really, other than Gronkowski being a little bit injury prone. Or a lot. I mean, and injuries are going to happen, but I mean, they are so deep. Here's my thought they're keeping Garoppolo around because I have a feeling 
that they went to Garoppolo, and Brady and Belichick went to Garoppolo and said, if we have a perfect season, Brady's done. He's going to go out on a perfect season, and, and this is going to be your team. Because Brady will have, he'll have, six, he'll have six Super Bowls, the last one being a perfect season, and I think that is going to happen. I think they're going to have a perfect season. I think Brady retires, and I think you're going to see Garoppolo in 2018. Yeah. Okay. That that is officially a hot take on the first one in the history of the TOST podcast, Mark. So congratulations for that, because I cannot disagree more. That ten years ago, eighteen and zero, going into Super Bowl forty two, that is the closest that the, this franchise is ever going to come to being able to unseat Don Shula and to shut Mercury Morris up for good. I just that that's it. I mean. I mean, are you looking at their schedule this year? I mean, they're playing the NFC South. They're going up against... Now, last year, I mean, part of the reason they were able to make that run, you could argue, was that even though the defense at times didn't look dominant, they didn't have to be because they were facing a bunch of subpar quarterbacks. This year, they have to face Drew Brees. Uh, they still have to face Matt Ryan again, who, you know, I, I hey, maybe psychologically it might be a little damaged from, from that Super Bowl, but I still think he's a pretty good uh, a pretty good uh, arm back there. Uh, Cam Newton, who I know had a bad year last year, but he's still pretty, you know, dynamic, and, and he should come back. I just think the schedule, and then uh, they're playing Oakland. Uh, Derek Carr, who just got signed as the now the highest-paid quarterback in the game, and uh you know, that Oakland team is kind of rounding into form. There's no way they're going undefeated. Now, that's not to say they can't win a Super Bowl again. I mean, under your condition here, Mark, what if, let's say the Patriots just win another Super Bowl and they, they do another three out of four run. Would that be enough for Brady to retire, even if they don't go 19-0? and No, I think they have to go 19-0. and And let me say first, I am so happy to hear you come over to the dark side with your negativity. <laughs> Um, your, your your transition is complete. Is that what this is? Is me coming to the dark? I thought I was just being realistic here. I mean, uh... I like the negative energy. I like the they can't do it, and and I and I appreciate that. It makes me feel much more confident in their chances of going nineteen and zero. Wow! On that bandwagon with me, there's not enough negative energy for us to actually realize that. No, I I think it would have to be something. I think it would have to be a special year. I think it would have to be nineteen and zero, and and then I do think. You know Brady's Brady's family situation. I, I think they might. You know what more do you want? You got six Super Bowls. You've got your undefeated season. Other than having fun, now this is all about you. You've got family. You've got kids. You, you're getting you know knocked around there. According to his wife, he's getting concussions all the time. And, and who wouldn't think that? You know you gotta you gotta live a little bit beyond football here. So um, that's that is my guess. That if you saw a perfect season. And they think they've got a pretty good. Sh- that that's unfinished business. I know Belichick says just uh, you know living day to day. That that is sticking in them, and they want to finish that off, and they want that perfect season to put the cherry on the Sunday. Um, what else is there? You know what else is there at this point? And I think if they do it, I think Brady rides off into the sunset after a perfect season. He'd probably stick around if there weren't pressures from his family and, and from his wife to stop. Um, and then it's and then it's uh, Garoppolo's turn. Well, again, I just you know it's you don't realize this team might on paper be loaded, but you don't realize how many things have to go right to go undefeated. And I just think you know just, just based uh, hold, on the schedule. Hold on, hold on. Look at how close they came to going undefeated last year. And I guess it was a weaker schedule for sure. But who knows? You never know how the schedule is going to turn out. And who's going to be good and who's going to be lousy. They, they lose to Buffalo with an injured third-string quarterback 
at home, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, they, yeah. And they lose on a stupid last play call against Seattle at home, and, and which was an imminently winnable game. You're two, you are two games away, one, again, with Jacoby Brissett injured, and one at home against Seattle. If you just don't have a dumb play call at the end, you win the game. And so you you were actually sniffing perfection pretty closely th- just last year, and they're a heck of a lot better than they're they're going to be a heck of a lot better this year or, or in 2017, 2018 than they were in in 2016, 2017. So I I, I I don't think I'm smoking anything that that is too strong here. Okay, well let's just for a moment let's just say that maybe that doesn't happen and you think okay they, they don't go 19 and 0 Brady then under your premise is going to definitely be back next year what do the Patriots do with Jimmy Garoppolo uh, because he's you know they'd have to franchise him next year to keep him on for just one more year and that would cost roughly you know 20 to 25 million dollars he'd probably be making more than Brady next year to sit on the bench as an insurance policy again you know Brady playing at this elite level and showing no signs of wanting to retire uh you know, if it doesn't happen, I mean, you know, I see personally now I'm thinking here, barring some career-ending injury, and God forbid I don't want that to happen to Tom Brady, but barring that, I mean, this looks like a Joe Montana situation all over again, which is an appropriate analogy to make for the guy who had a Joe Montana poster up in his bedroom growing up out in the, you know, the you know the Bay Area, uh, Joe Montana being his idol. Of course, I'm talking about number 12 here, and, you know, history could repeat himself because... What are you going to do? I mean, unless they let Garoppolo go, but then you know, what do you, what do you think is going to happen here? I mean, can they can they keep both quarterbacks? They can't keep Garoppolo around indefinitely to back up. I mean, he's about to head to free agency, right? Yeah, I think he would go. I th- I don't think they're going to get rid of Brady. I think Brady will go out on his own terms in New England. I think it's a special case. I think there's too much history um, with that particular player. Um, and, you know, when, when Montana, here's the thing, you know, uh, usually, you know, a little bit of history is, can be kind to the, to the player. When, when Montana was playing, um, he, he wasn't necessarily considered the greatest of all time when he was playing. His legend grew after retirement. You know, Ronald Reagan wasn't considered, you know, just a, an outstanding president, or he certainly wasn't liked as much universally, uh, or at least it appeared that way, until many years later. You know, it's it's pretty unanimous that Brady, and you look, you know, just he's just been, at 39 years old, he's just voted by his peers as being the best uh, player in the league. And I don't think Montana was that clear-cut in his day. He certainly was you know, not considered the greatest of all time anyway at that point. He may have been considered the best in the league, but at that time, he wasn't really thought of as the greatest of all time. You know, there was still Unitas, there were still others that he was being compared against, and, you know, he grew in stature after his retirement. Brady's there already, so you can imagine what that's going to be like five years, ten years after his retirement, the the legend of, of Brady. And so I think he's not going anywhere and I think he's going to be. I think he could be good for another three years or so. Um, and I think, I think some of it depends on Brissett and his development, but um, or, or whomever is can can develop. 
But I, I see them shipping Garoppolo uh, next year if Brady uh, plans on hanging around another couple of years. But I think that's a 10% chance. I think it's a 90% chance that they go undefeated and Brady retires um, with perfection. How do you like that? Well, here, you know what I'm going to do, Mark? I'm going to play your little game, your what-if game for a moment here. Let's say the Patriots go 19-0 next year. But I'm going to throw a caveat in here because they're a very loaded team. You've already agreed to that premise. They might even get Paul George. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. Well played, though. But, you know, and everyone's talking about how great Garoppolo looks, and he could be, you know, you, you hear you hear the talk out there. He could be the next Brady. I'm not so certain of that. It's not fair to make that comparison. But let's say this. Let's say, like, maybe halfway into the season, uh, you know, I'm thinking here, 19, was it 1991 New York Giants? Brady goes down for the rest of the year. Garoppolo steps in. Now they're undefeated at that time. Garoppolo leads them the rest of the way. They go 19-0, and Garoppolo's the winning quarterback in the Super Bowl. What do you do the next year then in your what-if scenario? It's uh, Hoff Settler didn't uh, won the Super Bowl. This is why I like having you, Mark. You know all the people I'm talking about. I don't have to make ref- I don't even have to bring up Jeff Hostetler's name. You knew who I was talking about. Absolutely, and uh, uh, you know I I think um, I think Brady gets hurt. I think Garoppolo steps in and does his thing. Then I think it really is a a, a 50 uh, 50-50 proposition. Um, I I think that. Um, and it depends on what the injury is. You know, if he's hurt badly enough that he's not going to play, then there could be some questions about whether he, you know, is is healthy enough to come back and, and be to form. Um, but if, if Garoppolo then steps up, um, does his thing, I think they would, I think you'd really have a tough situation on your hands. I think that's probably about the only scenario that I can see you know, within the next three years of, of you know, if Brady, if Brady hangs around, the other scenario I see where he might go is, so if he's injured and it's a little bit iffy as to whether he can, you know, he can perform and Garoppolo is now your champion, I think that, I think that paves the way for, for shipping Brady out. I also think that if Brady plays three years, um, you know, and in his fourth year he's really starting to decline, or fifth year, however long he decides he can or decides he wants to keep playing, and he becomes sort of unreasonable and puts the team in a significant uh, at a significant disadvantage every time he takes the field. Then, if it's that obvious, um, then I think you know. Then I think they make the move as well. But those are the only two scenarios I can see where where Brady is is effectively shown the door. Yeah, you know, if I was really creative about this, Mark, I would have had history totally repeating itself. Brady gets Brady's injury would be as a result of him taking a vicious hit right near the sideline. He ends up in the hospital, almost dies on the table. You know, he has a collapsed lung, or maybe he didn't. And, you know, all of a sudden, you have a divided uh, fan base again, just like you did back in uh, 2001. And that's how Garoppolo leads the way, the next, the, the next young sensation. And then you've got people arguing left and right, oh, you know, you got to keep Brady, you know, all he's done for the franchise. And of course, he has a lot more to back up uh, his claim than than Drew Bledsoe ever did. But uh, yeah, I mean, and uh, does does, uh, does Garoppolo twist his ankle in the AFC Championship <laughs> yeah. game, and, and Brady comes in, and throws a touchdown pass, uh, and then some other goofy passes afterwards? 
uh, AK just like the left. Right. Here's game. the thing: if that ever happened, see Brady would then stay in, and he he we would be back in the Super Bowl. See, I in my scenario, he's got to end up being out for the rest of the season. It's going to be like a, a severely broken leg or something that keeps right, him. Right. Because you know him, right? He's just so, and that's the amazing thing. Again, we're, we're, you know, here we are throwing all these kind of crazy scenarios out there. But here is a guy on the verge of forty, and he is still playing. Not only playing at the top of his game, but his health. I mean, he keeps saying he wants to play five or six more years, and you think that's crazy. No quarterback can play that into his mid-40s, but, you know, Brady could conceivably. Part of it, you know, thanks to the avocado ice cream and all the other uh, off-field uh, off training he seems to be doing and hanging out with Tony Robbins and all those guys. I mean, he's... Uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely... Uh, I just hope he read the fine print in that deal he, he, he did with the devil. <laughs> it's... Uh, yeah, it's marry a supermodel. Yeah, you know that's uh, that was quite an extensive deal with the devil, wasn't it? He's uh... yeah, yeah. He, he if he's going to pay up, he might as well. You know, he might as well get his fair share in the meantime. But uh... see, six Super Bowls gives him one more than Charles Haley, so he's then officially. I mean, he's already got more Super Bowls than any quarterback, but uh, you know, he gets that sixth one. Now he's got more than anybody. Period. And he's done it with one team. You know, he didn't have to go to the uh, to the winner. The winner was always here. Um, oh, that's right. I think Haley might have had a sixth one somewhere, didn't he? Maybe I'm missing one for that. No, I think no, but he, if, he yeah. was you know San Francisco and Dallas, so he right right he jumped to to whoever kind of like Deion Sanders. You know, he was kind of coming in at the right time. He was always sort of the they were always the players that would just sort of nudge one team over the edge. They would shift the balance of power uh, as they moved from one team to another. Well, here's one thing I think we can definitely agree on, uh, that, that Tom Brady, you know, as you said, is is the, the greatest quarterback of all time. But you got to do me one big favor here, Mark, and I've already expressed this on my show many times. It's a huge pet peeve of mine. He is the greatest quarterback of all time, but he is not the GOAT. I cannot stand that acronym. I understand, you know, the, the, the day and age we live in where people seem to love acronyms and they love shortening things. But as I said, you know, right after he won that Super Bowl— you know, I grew up in an era where the GOAT was someone like Charlie Brown, who always lost the big game, yeah, the, made the boat. Bill Buckner, in a mod, you know, if you want to pay, pull a real-life character out there, uh, I mean, you know, those are GOATs. I mean, people who ended up in defeat, tragically, whatever, but they blew, they blew the game. Yeah, Bill Buckner, even though I don't think he was the GOAT. No, I know, Calvin Schiraldi's the real GOAT, but anyway, it's, you know what I mean. But it was Rich Gedman not moving over to block a, anyway, let's not go back <laughs> yeah, let's there. Not, let's not, no, no. But uh, hey, this is a this is the Toddcast. It is a goat-free zone. POTUS zone <laughs> has all kinds of. It's definitely a POTUS-free zone. We don't talk politics here, nor would I want to. At this rate, after we get after we go Brady uh, Garoppolo, we'll get into politics, and then we'll wrap up with religion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh boy. Well, as as we wrap up football, though, I do want to ask you. Mentioned you mentioned your folks. I mean, I know your dad used to to come to all the football games with us. I mean, uh, how's he doing? How, how's Bob Senior doing? Doing great. You know, he's he's as spry as ever, and uh, uh, you know, we still we still uh, watch the games together. The ones that uh, you know, I don't storm out at halftime, I, and the ones that I can actually stay for. But uh, uh, yeah, he's he's still he's still around and kicking and and uh 
Maybe around longer than me, for all I know. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Please uh, tell him I said hi next time you see him. I will do that. Uh, so, moving on here, let's uh, switch gears a little bit. You you want to go? I'll let you make the call here. You want to go Celtics or do you want to go Red Sox? I, it's gonna you know definitely one of the two. Uh, I mean, by the way, how much can we keep you here for a little while longer on the uh, podcast? We don't. Yeah, I got another to... few minutes here. For okay. Sure. All right. So, which way do you want to go then? Let's, I, I... With David high priced on the mound tonight, I just I, I don't think I can go there right away. Um, I'd rather go to the to the Celtics here, and, and I think that's a fascinating uh, situation. What's happening? I, I I didn't really, you know, this was one of those drafts where it's just going to be one of those guys that gets selected first that you you know like a Wiggins type or you know somebody who's good, but they're just a 19 year old kid. How can that change your your franchise i think Ainge is uh, is on top of things and i do think this george thing is going to happen and i do think hayward's coming and uh i think this is going to be a very very interesting year i mean you get the buzzsaw out there with with uh in the west there um with uh with the warriors but um you know i don't know that this they they pull this off and they've got they've got a, a front line they've got Deep a deep bench with two new kids that Jalen Brown and and um, Brewer and 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 I just think that this could be a a team that's set up for now and in the future if they can pull this off and they get George to stick around for a little while. Yeah, you know, if you were proud of me, Mark, for the comments I made regarding uh, Brady and the Patriots, you're going to really be uh, wanting to maybe genuflect after I tell you I am trying to temper my excitement with regards to all these rumors uh, regarding uh, both Hayward and George and whether they're going to be able, whether the Celtics can land them both. Because to me, you know, Danny Ainge is like, you know, he's the Jenga master of GMs, but, uh, you know, he's trying to build these little Jenga towers and there's just so many different moving parts. And, you know, you know, I should point out we are recording this uh, show on June 29th. It's a week after the uh, draft where the Celtics, of course, picked up Jason Tatum with the third pick. But see, for like a month leading into that draft, I was all kind of ki- getting... Uh, caught in the hype of Markel Fultz and how he was going to look good here and how, you know, Isaiah Thomas and Avery Bradley were going to be free agents in a year. So everyone who said that they had too many guards, I was going, I was calling BS on that. What's wrong with Markel Fultz? He could be, he's everything that Isaiah Thomas is, but he's younger and seven inches taller, supposedly. At least that's what the the report. So I was getting caught up on that hype. Then when they traded the pick to Philly and and Fultz was out of the picture, you know, I kind of had a bit of a letdown. And then right after that came the flurry of all these different rumors. You know, the Hayward one's been going on for a while. I get it. Yes, there's the connection with him and Brad Stevens. But as of right now, I mean, again, as we're, you know, we're recording this uh, Toddcast, you know, Hayward is supposed to be visiting the Miami Heat first, the J- Utah Jazz second. I don't know why he has to visit the team that he's been playing with the last four years or whatever. But anyway, no- nonetheless. So uh, and then third, he's supposed to visit the Celtics, uh, you know, after he's seen, you know, he's visited with those other two teams. So I'm not 100 percent sure on that. And then with George, I mean, the the rumor today was supposedly the Pacers want two starters and they want the Brooklyn pick next year and they want the um, they want the other pick that the Celtics just acquired from Philadelphia, the Lakers slash Sacramento pick, the slash pick, as I call it, because they can't keep track of all the conditions on it. So, I mean, I just I, there's so many moving parts here, Mark. I think the odds that all this is going to come to fruition, you know, plus you got other teams in the hunt for George. So, I mean, why? I mean, why are you so confident that you that this is all going to come down and happen? Well, I I think m- minus the Brooklyn pick, we it's still a better package than anybody else can put together. 
Um, so of course, of course, the Pacers are going to ask for it all. Uh, why wouldn't you? That's what negotiation is all about. So they're going to ask for that, and they're not going to get it. Um, and and I, I believe, I believe the Celtics. Now, before I go any further, I I may have misheard, but I thought the order may have changed in Hayward's visits from. Boston being last, to Boston being in the middle, and Utah being last. Yeah, you know, I read some different. Th- I read some different things than I heard different stuff on the radio today, and it's like they didn't. It felt like the people on the radio were not reading the same things I read online, which were on like sports websites. They seemed pretty official to me, but um, maybe they weren't. Yeah, you're right. I mean, maybe he's. I, I think he's still. I think regardless, he's still going to visit with Miami first, which is I guess Saturday, the first day of uh, free agency, July first, and then either late in the weekend or maybe Monday. Day, possibly he's supposed to, in some order, visit Utah and, and Boston. So that's yeah, so you know, the, I who knows about Hayward, but uh, you know what I heard about him is is you know he's a he's he's not a party guy. Not that you can you know you can do other things in Miami, but let's face it, that's you know that's the allure for a lot of the players. He's he's a family man. He he likes to hang out at home. He's sort of a homebody. And I, I think that Boston is going to be more appealing to him. He's just about playing and he's about winning. And, and this is the kind of atmosphere where, where, that can, where that happens, where that lives. You got Horford, which, you know, he, he may not be, you know, the, the, the quintessential Max guy, but he is about winning. He's, he's a leader. And you got George, who just wants to win. And you put a front court like that together with that, with that kind of attitude. Um, you know, something special is going to happen there. Uh, and again, I like, you know, Jalen Brown. I don't know why I called Tatum Brewer earlier, but, um, uh, but yeah, and Tatum and, and, and Brown uh, uh, coming off the bench, um, you know, as, they, as those guys mature, um, you, know, you could have a nice little run here um, for sure, built for the short and long haul. But I, I don't think it's out of the question. I mean, why not us, you know, given what's out there? Uh, I think Boston will be attractive uh, to Hayward. I think the Celtics have what it takes to, to land George, and I don't think they're going to give up the. I don't think they have to give up the Brooklyn pick to do it. I mean, you look at what what Chris Paul went for. Um, you know, they they kind of overpaid for Chris Paul in Houston, uh, so that might hurt us a little bit. But I I think. I think they got to do. I, I, I think they're going to make this these moves. I think it's going to happen. I, I am not all that excited about Blake Griffin. Uh, you know, he's not the explosive sort of player he used to be. He's injury prone. He's he's not the the fantastic rebounder. He actually never was averaging more than you know ten rebounds a game. I don't think, or much more than that. And you know, he's he's kind of dropping off a little bit. So. Um, I hope that's not their plan B. I don't know how well he'd mix with George on the court either. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I, I think George and Hayward um, is, a, is a definite possibility for them. Maybe it is, but I also look at Hayward and George. You know, they're both small forwards. I mean, I know I've heard things that, you know, Brad Stevens, uh, you know, there are no there are no positions really, one through five. Like, everyone can kind of play everything, which, you know, maybe works in theory, but 
Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Okay, I will agree with you on Hayward with the Miami-Boston comparisons. I think for Hayward, it comes down to Boston versus Utah, ultimately. And the thing is, I think the Jazz could still offer more money, and he's already comfortable there. And, hey, they did win a round in the playoffs. I know they didn't get as far as the Celtics, but obviously the Western Conference is tougher, and they had to run into Golden State. So that's, I mean, that that's why that didn't happen. But so, I mean, I think ultimately it, it will probably be a Boston-Utah choice for Hayward. As for Paul George, it's really funny because I think the early narrative on him is what he owns a home in L.A. All the talk was, you know, yeah, next year when his contract's up, he's going to go to the Lakers. And that that was like a done deal. And that's all it's been talked about. And then I, I guess I heard a report on one of the sports radio stations the other day that they were talking to an Indiana sports writer who said, yeah, you know, George might, you know, the, you know, he might, all that stuff might be true. But at the same time, I think it's like what you said, Mark, George just wants to win in the end. And the Lakers are certainly further away from winning a championship than the Celtics are at the moment. And, uh, you know, plus, you know, obviously, I don't know, uh, depending on how the, the hot mess with the, the ball family plays out in LA, I'm not sure George would want to, uh, uh, end up there anyway, uh, but so even if he does have a home there, I mean, he can always commute back and forth. He'll be making enough money. He can, uh, you know, get himself a nice plane and, and do the 3,000-mile commute during uh, well, you the know, it's, Even if LeBron skips out and goes to, to the Lakers, you know, that's that's still a tough road to hoe just to get to the finals. Um, you still got to go through the Warriors to do that. I think, I think George has got to – I think George would be – more interested in going to Cleveland in the short term than he would be to going to L.A. in a couple of years. Um, so, you know, I, I think I don't think Cleveland's out of the running, although I don't think it's really up to up to him at this point. But uh, George necessarily, but uh, you know, at least in the short term here. Well, right now he'd have to move via trade. I mean, obviously, otherwise he's locked into the Pacers exactly, for the next but, year. But, you know, if I were him, if I were George, and I could only pick between going to the to the Cleveland now or L.A. later, I'd go to Cleveland now because at least I can get to the finals. Um, I might not get to the fi- even get to the finals even with LeBron out in L.A. because you you you, you got to go through uh, you got to go through the Warriors. So I think you just try to get to the to the finals and then and then you know take your best shot. Yeah, isn't it such an interesting dynamic here, too, when you, you know, I, I remember right after the, the Celtics, after they got pasted by the Cavaliers in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals, you I mean, Danny Ainge goes up to the podium and basically acknowledges the fact that he feels like this is, you know, hey, we had a good year, but we're still a long ways away. And then, you know, as a fan, you're wa- you, know, you watch that series, you watch what Cleveland did to the Celtics, then you watch the NBA Finals and see what the Warriors did to Cleveland. And you're going, why? My God, we're like millions of miles away from a from a championship as things are currently assembled. Then, in the span of just a couple of weeks, the the Cavaliers fire their GM. You know, now all the hot rumors have been out that LeBron may only stay in Cleveland for one more year. He's he's honestly going to leave that franchise again. I, I I can't imagine what it must be to be a Cleveland fan uh, in that scenario, but. Uh, you know, so all of a sudden now, even Danny Ainge has got to be reassessing, which, you know, kind of plays into the now, you know, why it might make sense to get Hayward and George now. Because, you know, in a year's time, the Patri- or the uh, Celtics, uh, well, Freudian slip there, the Celtics could very well be the best team in the Eastern Conference for sure. And, you know, who knows how things will, will play out with the Warriors, you know, in the next, you know, few years. But, uh, yeah, it, it's just really interesting. And now all of a sudden, you know, it's almost like, you know, Ainge is kind of changing gears on the fly here where, you know, maybe he would have been content to just keep loading 
loading up with the young players now. He's got some of these chips and and can move them around. And yeah, I mean, I just. Uh, you know, let me just throw one more thing out at you, Mark, with regards to this, and that is, you know, one of the biggest problems with the Celtics and, and why they fell short against Cleveland, uh, you know I, know, I know maybe they lack more scoring outside of Isaiah Thomas, but, you know, they also lack a lot of rebounding, and, I mean, no offense here, do Hayward and George aren't going to really help that much in the rebounding department, are they? No, but I think they might draw some attention, um, and... and um you know, Horford may be a little bit more effective in in that regard, but um, I I think they're just going to have to uh, you know have to get I think they're going to have to sink more shots so they don't have to get as many offensive rebounds. But yeah, that's you know they, they that's where they're going to be um, that's where they're going to be vulnerable. But uh, you know, against a team like like uh, there, there aren't a whole lot of of great rebounding teams out there right now to begin with. It's not like you have a bunch of giants out there. Um, you know, Durant is, is, you know, he's not, he's not usually down in the, in the post too much. He's, he's playing on the outside. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't believe, I, I think, I always thought the Celtics matched up pretty well against um, uh, the, uh, the Warriors. And and you know Durant probably you know threw that out of whack, but they would they would you know be right up there and rebounding with the Warriors, or maybe even out muscle uh, out muscle them a bit. Um, so you know I I don't know I think I think they could be stout enough. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 not going to help them there, but boy, uh, if they can land those two, I, I think um, I think they are instantly. Um, pretty close if not in the finals yeah well it's funny you mentioned the rebounding with the Warriors too because I, I also think I uh, read some uh, rumblings this week that uh, you know with both Curry and Durant resigning uh, they're going to have they're going to run into some cap problems to the point where they may not be able to keep Andre Guadala who is one of their better uh, board men off the bench so uh, that uh, yeah I mean that could have an effect I mean it will put more pressure on the Warriors to make even more shots. Of course, they do make a high percentage of their shots anyway, so uh, maybe that'll be a moot point. But, yeah, you know, the whole Celtics thing, I guess guess I'm just, for now, I'm trying to temper the excitement more along the lines of I'll believe it when it all comes together because, you know, Wick Grosbeck and and the entire Celtics management has been kind of promising for about five years now. We'd be seeing some fireworks, and uh, we haven't really had them yet. And, uh, you know, the other letdown, of course, here is, you know, after the Celtics made that trade with Philly, I kind of hearkened back to 1980 when the Celtics also had the number one pick and they traded down to the three. And, you know, I, I, I don't see what happened after the draft, the results of that draft. I didn't see any parish mikhail combo, although maybe if the ultimate result is Hayward and George, maybe that is the, the you know, the 2017 version of Mikhail and Parrish. Uh, yeah, it's, it's similar to, you know, the Patriots not really having a draft themselves. Uh, you know, just just free agent signings mainly. Uh, but yeah, we we would take that scenario uh, every day of the week and twice on Tuesday. And again, I am glad to see, you know, your if if not cynicism, at least a healthy skepticism from you. You continue your journey uh, to the dark side. I, I think it's fantastic. I've been beaten down by the Boston sports media. I mean, you can't be positive around here, which, again, begs the question, how in the world has Dan Roach had a career so long? I admire what he's done because he's been able to do it without being cynical. He's the only one, though. Everyone else in Boston has some kind of cynical side or, you know, the, the, you know, like you say, a dash of skepticism in there. It's just everyone or the just general snark. 
Yeah, it's it's got to be the weather. I think it's the the entire the entire month of March and a good bit of April. I think is what does it to everybody around here. Um, and and that that's my theory, and I'm sticking with it. You kind of from the cold winters to the uh, the mud laden springs to the humid summers. Yeah, they're just really you know fall's nice. You know that's. Uh... Yeah. It's like they say up in Maine, we have two seasons, the 4th of July and winter, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I, I can't help. I, we, I want to try to get into a couple minutes of Red Sox here. Um, you know, it, it's amazing. I, you know, you look at this team right now on, pay, you know, record-wise, they're on the same pace they were last year when they won the American League East. Uh, the rest of the league appears to, with the exception of the Houston Astros, appears to be very mediocre, and, and the division should be there for the taking. But it does feel like something is missing. Yeah, again, here's my skepticism. I know you're going to love this, Mark, but as I watch this team, it does feel like there is something missing. And I know, you know, I, I kind of said this at the time when it happened. David Ortiz is missing, and I think it's not just what he gave you at the plate, but I mean, I think maybe behind the scenes too, because. You know, certainly, you know, it seems like, you know, Hanley's up to his old tricks again without, you know, Big Poppy around. And I just, I don't know. And then, you know, Sale is definitely a plus, but, you know, then there's then there's David Price who, you know, what is it with guys that just can't handle playing here, Mark? I mean, the, you know, and the Red Sox seem to corner the market on head cases. They get guys who come in here and they just, they get a big pile of money and they turn into a big pile of you-know-what. Yeah, I think with, with um, you know, with Price and, and, Ramirez, uh, you know, they're, they're their own different versions of, of head cases. Um, you know, one is just uh, immature beyond comprehension, and the other is probably a little too intellectual and, and too reflective uh, to be, uh, a, you know, a consistently good pressure ball player. I mean, look at Lenny Dykstra. The guy wouldn't read in college because he didn't want to wreck his eyes. I mean, and he's just he just didn't think, and and that's why he was he was good. Um, you know, it, it, in a way, you got to. Sometimes you have to be a bit of a rockhead uh, to be, um, you know, good. But you also have to be engaged. Where where you know Ramirez is is just a, a goofball half the time. But there's yeah, I think I think without without that. Uh, leadership from Ortiz. This this team is is on cruise control, and you're certainly not going to get any fire from the manager. Um, uh, you know, he's he's just when he talks about Chris Sale, and, and like the, it's just a privilege for them to watch him every six days. I mean, what is he paying for his seat to watch this guy play? I mean, it was sickening. It's sickening to to watch and, and listen to that. I mean, you're his manager for crying out loud. Stop, you know, stop asking for autographs from the guy. It's really terrible. Um, and and this this is one of those uh, years where you just have a dead team. You know, last night it's four to one, uh, and it's just you know, in the seventh inning they get three more at bats, and they're just not going to do anything. You just know it, and you can turn off the the TV or the radio with confidence. That when you wake up in the morning, that score is going to be four to one, and sure enough, yeah, there it was. I mean, it's just there's no electricity in this team at all. Uh, Pedroia is, you know, he's he's not a leader. He'll go out there and play hard, but you know, he's a, uh, you know, he's he's not a strong leader. That's probably the best they got on that team. Chris Sale is is a pitcher, so he's not going to be that kind of guy. He can lead the pitching staff to some degree, but not the position players. 
and everybody else is young, and they do their little dances in the outfield after the game. And oh, that can you imagine Jim Rice and Dwight Evans or Kali Stremski and Fred Lynn and Dwight Evans, you know, doing that goofy little dance after a win out in the outfield? I mean, and it's just it, uh, that that's beside the point. But they just they they are a very dead, lifeless uh, uh, team. Except on the nights when sales pitching. You know, then it's a little electric because you, you're watching him and what he's done so far this year. Uh, and if they can, and if they can muster up a run or two uh, for the guy, right. yeah, it's a good game. And, and they've given that guy zero support, uh, pretty much. He blew up one game and they actually had his back, but the rest of it, he's got to, you know, he can't. The guy can't make a mistake, or, or he's, you know, he's going home with an L. That guy should have 12, 13 wins by now. Um, it's it's a lifeless team. It's a it's a soulless team. They've got some good ball players, but it's it's definitely mix, missing uh, a straw that that stirs that whole thing. Right, and again we we go back to Ortiz. Uh, unfortunately, I, I will definitely agree with you on on the lifelessness part because I, I believe now with the loss last night, the Red Sox are zero and thirty when they're trailing after eight innings. I know they've had some walk off wins this year, but apparently those happened in games where they were tied or you know they. They are they were ahead and you know maybe lost the lead and then won in the bottom of the ninth. But they haven't. They actually have not come from behind in the ninth inning to win any games this year, which kind of their offense back is poorly constructed. Uh, you got to get uh, they they need an awful lot. When you're of executing hits. a hit and run with Christian Vasquez on the bases and Devin Marrero, your leading con- the guy with the least amount of contact on the team at the plate, and you're calling a hit and run, John Farrell. Uh, well, yeah, well, and and you know their their base running has been. Absolutely, the the just terrible. I mean, Butterfield is just you know he's just a windmill a uh, windmill there at third base. They run into more outs than I've ever seen in in any in, in on any Red Sox team or even on any little league team I've seen. They, yeah, but they're just being aggressive on the base pads. That's what Farrell will tell you. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one way to say stupid, I guess. <laughs> Oh God, I miss you. I miss having you on the show regularly, Mark. This has been uh, this is uh, it's like it's like you've never left. It really just uh, <laughs> I never stopped talking. You just turn the microphone off. <laughs> well, you know that's funny because you know originally when we started the show, your mic was down for like about five seconds till I realized why I, I couldn't hear you on the board here, and I just oh yeah, oh yeah, that's why <laughs> when you were like you know, meant to this show. Yeah, right. You were shout when you were showering praise of me. I think that's when the appropriately enough. That's when the the sound was off on your mic. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, hey, you know this is this has been really fun. I hope we can uh, you know do this again sometime. And uh, yeah, maybe like you say, we'll definitely have to get together watch a Pats game. Uh, Absolutely, it'd be the, fun. Uh, we'll get the little barbecue going and uh, have a steak and and watch the Patriots beat up on some other poor NFL uh, franchise. Yeah, boy. I mean, I, you're right. I mean, they boy, they sure do look loaded. I I even like looked at the depth chart today, kind of preparing and anticipating we were going to talk some Patriots tonight. And just uh, yeah, I mean, that's there's no question. But it, but it's also odd that you know they're. It's not like everybody they got here has like maybe one good year left in them. These guys, they they also picked up a lot of good young talented players who you know are going to have multiple years in them. So even if you know they they can't win it. Uh, again this year they're they're built for the long haul too which is typical belichick he's not you know the whole all-in theory to win just one you know win one year that doesn't work for him you go from one side of that ball to the other and you know your defensive backs are are excellent your linebackers are excellent your your defensive line is is pretty good 
um, and, and solid. Your offensive line is probably the weakest link, and it's still you know pretty good. Uh, your wide receivers are as deep as, as, as it can be. Your running back situation is excellent. Your tight ends are excellent. Your quarterbacks are excellent. You get the best of, of all time, uh, backed up by a guy who's, who's uh, outstanding if he can stay upright. And, you know, your, your weak link is probably the offensive line, and it's, it's, it's decent. It's, it's not like a, a glaring weakness. But relatively speaking, it's probably the weakest part of the team. Yeah, and, you know, kind of back to my earlier point about, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, I I kind of, you know, the two the, the two recent Super Bowls have eliminated the sting for me of, you know, f- you know the, the, the loss to the Giants, the first one. And a part of that, again, is because when I looked back 10 years ago at that Super Bowl, I was thinking, okay, this is going to be the crowning achievement in a Patriot dynasty. And when it didn't happen, I just never thought that the Patriot dynasty, despite the earlier three Super Bowls, was ever going to, you know, you know, Brady's career was just going to be defined by he played well early, but the team always fell short the last, like, 10, 15 years of his career. And then, you know, kind of bookending it now with these two recent championships, I, you know, I can say that this Patriot team is a dynasty, and like you were arguing before, Mark, that, you know, you know, right, Brady's the greatest in the, in the game, maybe all time. And the Patriots now, even though maybe they haven't won as many Super Bowls as the Pittsburgh Steelers, certainly, you know, are, are catching up quickly. And uh, one more to go to tie the Steelers. And, you know, they'll have, you know, again, they put themselves in that argument anyway that, that you could argue they are the best, especially, you know, given that they've won all theirs in this free agent era where teams constantly are changing on the fly. Well, you, you, you look at, at this team on paper and how outstanding it is, and then on top of that, you throw the greatest coach on top of that, uh, and and coaching staff, which is excellent. But you put Belichick on top of that, on top of that Christmas tree, and you know it's. Uh, it, and you talk about disparity in some uh, areas of of sports. Who who would you take if Belichick retired today? Uh, you know what what head coach would you take that would even come close to this guy? Uh, it, it would it be Harbaugh in Baltimore, and you know his team misses the playoffs every other year. I mean that's about as good as it gets. Bruce Arians, I mean maybe Pete Carroll, maybe he would be who you who you'd choose. I, I don't know, but there is a huge drop off after Belichick, in my opinion. Yeah, no, and I'm glad you you brought up Belichick because we've been talking here for about an hour, and we we've done a lot of Patriots talk, and we haven't talked at all about the the coach who arguably is uh, the greatest coach of all time. Who knows? Maybe uh, maybe hopefully before we we go, uh, you know, maybe they'll have renamed that uh, trophy they award to the Super Bowl champ. Although if the current commissioner has his way, that's not going to happen during his lifetime or at least tenure uh, running the league. But you know, maybe. Uh, you know, certainly, you know, Belichick is uh, the Vince Lombardi of the 21st century, no doubt, and uh, maybe even, you know, greater than that. And, you know, again, it's just, this is the old old uh, theory I like to employ here that you got to appreciate what you have because it's just, you know, even the people who talk about that Garoppolo could be the next Brady, you know, just don't even say that. I mean, Brady, it's never going to get better than it does right now. And I mean, I, I know people don't like to ever look at things that way, especially when it comes to sports, but this is really... You know, this is as good if as this gets. isn't a high water mark, I don't know what would be. But I'll tell you this: I certainly am. You mentioned Goodell. Uh, no, I didn't, because I haven't uttered his name since uh, the, uh, the 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 Deflategate uh, scandal. Well, well, you mentioned the commissioner, and, and that's he all will he. Be, that's uh, all he gets. He doesn't get his name mentioned on uh, any kind of public. Uh, I don't even say it to my friends. You know, I'm talking with just generally. 
Well, he, uh, he, he, the, he who shall not be named. Yeah, I was calling him Commissioner Voldemort for a while, but uh, <laughs> he'll he'll uh, he'll be joining uh, the festivities in in Foxborough in September. So see you in September. Yeah, uh, that'll be a fun greeting he gets from the crowd that night. I'll be I'm looking forward to, uh, to it'll that. be a, a polite uh, British clap. Yeah. By the way, is that yeah right? Is that going to be is that going to be the official closure for the fans though? I mean, the, the fact that he goes he shows up there, he takes his medicine from the fans, and then that's the end of it from as far as the fans are concerned or did they just uh... Uh, to, to a degree i think that'll it'll at least be in decline at that point i think that'll be the the i think that'll be the top of the roller coaster and then um it'll be downhill from there but um i i still i, I i'll end where i began i i, I think that uh i think this is, i think you're going to see the first 19 and 0 team and i think you're going to see brady ride off into the sunset uh with six super bowl rings and and the last one being perfect why do I suddenly feel like this is some sports version of Freaky Friday? And all the years it's been since we've uh, last uh, had any in-depth talk on sports, I've sort of become a little bit of you, and you've become a little bit of me. And <laughs> you're Mister Positive, and I'm the one who's skeptical now. I don't know what happened there, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is uh, it's it's finally happened. Now, during every single game during the season, I will tell you, you know, before even kickoff, that they have no chance. Right, that I remember well, having watched uh, many games with you. So that. I, I do recall well. Well, Mark, listen, this has been an awful lot of fun. Like I said, we got to do this again soon. Uh, thank you for uh, for appearing. Uh, enjoy your summer. Yeah, you too. And uh, looking forward to getting together for a game. Yes, we will. We will definitely uh, talk soon. So, thanks again, Mark. Thanks, everyone. See ya. All right. Again, that was uh, Mark Goodale. Uh, again, old friend of. Uh, Time out for sports talk. And again, uh, just a reminder, if you'd uh, like updates when the latest TOST podcast is available for your listening pleasure, just follow us on social media. You can become a Facebook fan by searching Time Out for Sports Talk. And our Twitter handle is at TOSTBMC. Until next time, this is Todd Bloniers. Thank you for checking out the TOST podcast here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network.